0: pharmacy podcast nation you got to listen in every tuesday to stay up to date on the most recent medication therapy topics game changers creates awareness about pharmacotherapy and clinical practice changes that can significantly impact pharmacy practice every tuesday a new episode of game changers is published on the pharmacy podcast network thanks so much for listening and always remember the pharmacist is the hub of healthcare.
1: and welcome again to another edition of Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host, Jeff Wall, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University, um, and I appreciate you taking the time to uh, listen to our podcast. Uh, joining me this week, uh, as I always appreciate, is Jake uh, Galdo, who's uh, from CE Impact, also a community-based pharmacist and uh, all-around great guy, and he's going to help me wade through a paper that uh, he actually suggested that I think is a really good paper, and is, is it sheds a light on something that I think uh, we, we talk a lot about, but we don't really know where we're going with, and that's pharmacogenomics, so we'll be talking about that coming up. A couple things before we get started, uh, uh, again, a, a, a big hello to everyone listening, and, and if you like us, please do go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and, and like us and spread the word You know, on all your social media platforms and, and your friends and family and everybody else that uh, if they want to get some good information on uh, pharmacotherapy, we're, we're, the, we're hopefully the place that you can go. Also, for the pharmacists listening, you know, do remember that this is put on by CE Impact, they have outstanding. Uh, a C, a CE programs and you can get CE uh, if you sign up with them uh, for listening to this podcast and I can't really think of an easier way uh, to get uh, your required CE um, um, really just you know, learning while you're driving, learning while you're working at home, etc. Cetera, et cetera, and, and, and quickly picking that up. So yeah, please do go to CE Impact and, and take a look at their packages but, but in particular take a look at our CE package uh, with Game Changers and see if it's something they're interested in. Uh, you may have noticed that our, our dropped Date has changed a little bit. We were going coming out on Fridays. We've moved now to Tuesdays. So yeah, so new episodes will be coming out on Tuesdays uh, for, for Game Changers. Um, and uh, uh, we're going to work to make sure we've got a nice long uh, uh, group to, to go out. So so we're always kind of right up to date on what on what's going on. So uh, so yeah. So that's that's kind of all the the background stuff. Let's get right into the meat of, of the paper. So this is a paper that was released in uh, JAMA, and it's pretty hot off the press. It's less than less than two weeks old, um, and it it's, uh, again, not talking about COVID, which I'm sure everybody's happy about for a week. Uh, it, it was the Taylor PCI study, and this was a study that looked at genotype-guided uh, thera- uh, uh, therapy for clopidogrel uh, versus non-genotype-guided therapy uh, guided therapy for patients who had undergone uh, percutaneous coronary intervention. So people had gotten stents placed. We know that after you have a coronary stent placed, you need to be on pretty potent antiplatelet therapy. Um, and uh, for... Many many years that, that was that was going to be the combination of aspirin and clopidogrel. Um, we now have several new drugs that are on the market like ticagrelor and things like that. Uh, but this study wanted to take a look at at an issue that has is, is kind of plagued clopidogrel for a long long time, and that's that 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 the clopidogrel is a pro-drug, and to be activated activated it has to go through the cytochrome P450 system. And um, there are some patients who just genetically are unable to do that. And so for a long time there's been this thought that 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 people who quote unquote fail uh, clopidogrel, people who 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 don't you know who don't do well on it, or maybe have a have a stent thrombosis, something like that, um, perhaps the reason is is because they just genetically cannot turn clopidogrel into its active form and have it have it work in the body. And certainly that's been that the, the push behind drugs like ticagrelor that don't have that same a uh, uh, step that needs to be uh, having the drug being activated. So. You know, the, uh, for the pharmacist listening, I'm, I'm sure we've all, you know, heard about how pharmacogenomics is going to change our lives and personalized medicine and all that stuff. Those who know me know that I'm I'm a bit of a nihilist when it comes to that. I'm just one of those who all believe it when I see it sort of things because we certainly seem to talk a lot about clopidogrel, but, you know, uh, or I'm sorry, talk a lot about pharmacogenomics, but you know, what has it actually done in the last 15, 20 years outside of a few, yes, important important uh, uh, tests that we can check on patients. But that's been largely uh, for, for safety and not for efficacy. You know, you have the, someone who's on, who might get a back of ear for HIV. We need to test to see if they can genetically, you know, have the genetics to be able to metabolize the drug. And uh, I work in gastroenterology quite a bit. So patients with inflammatory bowel disease, uh, if we're going to start them on azathioprine, we often look for their ability to metabolize that medication. So, yeah so there's definitely some some points where safety plays a role and I think in the world of oncology there's the, there's certainly been some some movement as far as genomics as far as things like looking for different receptors on tumor sites and her you know her two new and things along those lines but you know just the general you know uh, uh, general uh, uh, use of all medications you know I, we, we kept saying well one day you'll have this card and this card will have all your genetics on it and you'll be able to hand the card to the pharmacist and the pharmacist will put the card in and type in and, and pick the right medication for you and I, I think that's kind of like jet packs and 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 you know flying cars it's one of those things that yeah i mean i I'd, I'd, I'd like to see but i think we're still kind of a, a bit away from that and that's kind of where this study kind of came came across so um so I'm gonna shut up a little bit so jake you know you you read the study and actually pointed out the study as a pretty good idea for this for this game changers why don't you tell us a little bit about the trial itself and what you thought about it
0: Awesome, thanks, Jeff. And I think what, what's kind of interesting is, you know, I, I sent this over to you and said let's talk about it. And then we we said, okay, well, who's going to play ying and who's going to play yang? Uh, yeah. And I think we're both yang on this one, yeah. uh, which which adds to the to the fun of the yeah. conversation, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try I'll try to up my good cop a little bit if it's as best I can. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah.
0: But uh, what, what I really liked about this trial is it's it's the first time that it's looking at outcomes. Anytime we, we think about pharmacogenomics and we hear about it, it's always been like this retrospective because we've finally discovered the gene. So I remember years ago when clopidogrel has been on the market for years, like heck, the generic is available. And then all of a sudden we're being told we should uh, drive dosing or you know, selection of therapy based on the genes. And then then my first question was, where was the primary literature? Where's the literature that actually said, this is why we should do it. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't seen it up until a couple of weeks ago when this was published. And I think that that's what was so exciting for me. And so, you know, when we look at this study design, it was actually really interesting. They took a couple thousand folks and they broke them into two arms initially, one to get conventional, just clopidogrel driven uh, antiplatelet use secondary to, you know, court curinary syndrome for PCI. The other arm was going to have the the antiplatelet medication chosen based on the genetics. So everybody did point of care testing, but half your arm still just got clopidogrel. The other half of the arm was then bifurcated into two more arms, those that um Expressed the the allele the genes that said I cannot metabolize the prodrug clopidogrel to the active drug, therefore I'm going to be on ticagrelor, and then you had the arm that you know was fine with metabolism, so they got conventional clopidogrel. So the primary endpoint was almost like this this like step to step to step down where it was the genotype driven therapy of those that got. Uh, ticagalor because they, you know, weren't able to metabolize clopidogrel versus those that were getting the conventional clopidogrel. And the results was there was no difference. It was the same. And then they even took it a step higher up and said, well, what's our secondary outcome, um, which is just looking at that, that initial split of those that are having genotype-driven therapy versus those that get conventional therapy. And again, they didn't see a difference. And I thought that was really fascinating and really interesting and why I wanted to really have this conversation with you.
1: I, no, I agree, and 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 again, you know, it, it, I admit when I started to read the study, I kind of felt like like things were going to get tilted toward the 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 baseline therapy, you know, in in the or I'm sorry, in the in the failure group because you know ticagrelor has been looked at head to head with with Plavix, in, you know, post uh, post stent placement in, in in the PLATO study, and was found superior, and it's one of the reasons why the the um, American College of Cardiology guidelines actually recommend ticagrelor over Plavix in in, in many patients. Um, so I thought, you know, I thought at first up, I thought, you know, that it was going to kind of set them up so that the colpiter group, of course, were going to, the, the, the people who got tested and and got switched over, of course, they were going to do better because they were going to get switched to a drug that has been shown in clinical trials, you know, and at least had to to be better. And so I agree with you. It surprised me that in the end, the, the, the outcomes were similar between all of them. And again, it takes you, makes you take a step back and, and, and say to yourself, you know, uh, you know, what is is partially i think is 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 the what we saw in the original plato study kind of av- valid and or have things changed and i think that's the other key is that this is a rapidly changing area especially when it comes to stents you know every generation of stent that comes out is less thrombogenic right and and you know we you know i was kind of taught you know and i think the last set of guidelines you know have basically said you know you should be on anti dual dual anti therapy for at least a year after having a stent in place, and that that number keeps seeming to shrink with the new generation uh, um, um, uh, stents that are coming out that are less thrombogenic. So, um, you know, so to me, that was kind of the surprising piece of that, you know. So, you know, so I guess then the question is, you know, you know what you felt like the study was 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 largely it, it didn't show a benefit to routinely doing pharmacogenomic testing on these patients. Um, you know, in general, what did you think the pros and cons of the study were, and should we do more studies like this, even though we've kind of come up empty on this one?
0: Well, I, I love this study because it's the first time that we have like this outcome that we can lean on to say whether or not we should um, really use uh, genetic testing. And even years ago, we actually did uh, pharmacogenetic testing in our pharmacy specific to clopidogrel, and we made recommendations from it. Mm-hmm. And so we see that this is in practice, but it was always that like little little bit of heartburn, if you will, saying, where's my evidence? Where's that data? And now we have it. And so even though this might not have been pro-pharmacode, uh, point-of-care pharmacogenetic testing, I still think it's an incredibly useful and beneficial trial because it's adding more to the story. Pharmacogenetics right. is such an evolving area that the more data we have, the better that we can we can look into this. Right. And what's, what's kind of interesting, Jeff, I don't know if we've, we've talked about this, but I've, I've coined a new term for, for pharmacy because okay. that's obviously what we need is more terms, right? <laughs> yes,
1: um, exactly. And
0: I, I know that you're, you're a drug info guy, and so my new term is gene information. Because hmm. when you kind of take a deep dive into pharmacogenomics, there are tons of amazing resources out there, and so I, I'm just like, that's gene information to me. It's no longer drug information, it's gene information, and to me, this article is another one that goes into uh, the Rolodex of gene information uh, compendias to help us understand how we can do this to help our patients.
1: I think it makes sense. And I mean, you know, if you know, if this brave new world, again, that I was kind of even, you know, when when I when I was a young and you know, many, many years ago and in, in pharmacogenomics was just getting off the ground, you know, I mean, again, we we had this kind of like, you know, Jetson style future where, you know, again, you'll you'll have this like, you know, this card or you know, fob on your on your on your car keys that you basically just give to the pharmacist and it has all your genetic information in it and that can help us you know select medications and not just things like cancer drugs and you know you know anti agents but things as simple as antihypertensives or what's right antibiotic to put you on and things along those lines and that was certainly the promise and 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 you're right i think we you know that promise is certainly out there and god knows that if you want to if a patient wants to, or, or a provider wants to get that information, it ain't that expensive for them to get, right? I mean, you know, the, the, you can get a, a panel that takes a look at your ability to metabolize the cytochrome P450 enzymes, and whether, you know, you're a serotonin, you know, receptor carrier, what, you know, all these other things that, that they can take a look at. You can do that now for probably under 100 bucks. The question has always been, well, that's terrific, but how do we translate that into, into um, you know, you know clinical practice, and is that better than what we're already doing? Um you know, I'm old enough to remember when, when we had, when we, the big push was to look for uh, uh, loss of function alleles for warfarin patients, you know, and, and, you know, it was, you know, if if we could find these patients, we can use lower doses, so we don't overdose them, they're not going to be at risk of, of bleeding, and then when they did the first big randomized study that compared, you know, uh, genomic guided testing versus just having experienced people with warfarin dose, and there was no difference, you know, and, and, and so, you know, I think that, that, that we're, we're, we're still, you know, we're still kind of trying to, to to find where is that is that area of medicine where you know genomics can make it make an improvement on what we're already doing. And you and I talked a little bit about a, a bit before about this. I think one of the areas might be mental health, right? And and and, and what do you think about that? And its use in uh, pharmacogenomics and mental health.
0: I think mental health is a great area to to almost be helped out with by pharmacogenomics. Uh, but again, I'm going to play that yin and yang and be a little bit on the fence. Uh, This is something that we see in community pharmacy, point-of-care pharmacogenomics, to help drive uh, mental health therapy. And I think that there are pros and cons. Like if we look at the big picture and we think about the pharmacotherapy of, like, say, depression or even schizophrenia, um, that that big picture is you pick one drug. If it doesn't work, try another one. That's what we see with trials like the STAR-D trial saying Mm. the efficacy is the same, but every patient might respond differently. We just need to find the right drug for the patient. So then if we take that back and say, well, I can either do this random approach, or I can try pharmacogenetic-driven therapy, and maybe I get to the right drug sooner, Like that's a benefit because that helps get a patient on the appropriate therapy sooner, and that could be a good thing.
1: Absolutely. And, 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 and particularly with, with depression, and I'm sure you've seen this in your own practice. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think psychiatrists have kind of had jumped on some psychiatrists have jumped on this, you know, Hey, I can, I can do this. It's not too expensive. Uh, more insurance companies are paying for the genomic testing. And I've seen the the reports that I'm sure you have where they literally give you, it looks like a, a stoplight where you've got, you know, here are the red drugs you don't want to put this patient on here are the yellow drugs maybe, and here are the green drugs you want to try. And, you know, uh, I, I know that, that some of my colleagues in mental health, you know, are really like this and and, and and feel like it's better than what they're doing now. Because as you said, largely, you know, with, with some exceptions, you know, uh, psychiatry is often just trial and error. You know, we, we try one drug, oh, it doesn't work. You try one another drug, oh, they don't tolerate it. Let's try this third drug. And, you know, I, you often see where patients, especially with severe mental mental illness, you know, schizophrenia and stuff, may be on what what to the outsider looks like kind of not, you know, a kind of irrational therapy where you've got them on, well, you know, a low dose of one antipsychotic and a medium dose of another antipsychotic and, you know, a low dose of two antidepressants. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, but that's what worked in this patient. And if I tried anything else, you know, they either didn't tolerate it or their symptoms came back. So, you know, yeah, I think, I think psychiatry in particular is, 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 is really interested in reaching for anything that will help them, you know, you know, decrease that trial and error, you know, throw a dart at a board sort of thing that unfortunately they're kind of forced to do. I know that there's a, a couple of studies in work trying to take a look at this and I think that will that if If those studies do find a benefit of of genomic uh, uh, testing, I think they have the the capacity to really fundamentally change how we how we uh, uh, treat mental illness in this country, uh, especially as the pricing of the testing is just just drops, 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 drops all the time. So you were mentioning when we were talking before that 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 dentists might might play a role in this. That's kind of interesting. what what Why would they want to be involved with with genomics?
0: You know that it's it's kind of interesting. I, I often work with some dentists, especially those that focus in um, oral health and the oral health discipline within dentistry. They are they prescribe a little bit of everything. Cause, I mean, they're treating um, all these different lesions. They do right. oral cancers. They do pemphigoids, and so it's it's really fascinating with the drugs that they prescribe. And so sometimes they're getting flagged because the drugs that they're prescribing. Uh, like Dapsone and things like that, mm. are getting like kind of pinged as these drugs that might need pharmacogenetic testing.
1: Sure. And so
0: now we have some of these commercial entities coming into dental practices saying you should do pharmacogenetic testing. So I think what's what's exciting and interesting about it is this, again, emphasizes the role of the pharmacist in the healthcare system, because we can almost be the quarterback of genetic testing. Mm-hmm. Because I can only imagine the patient that's having the dentist do it, the cardiologist mm-hmm. is doing it, the oncologist is doing it, and you get three different reports from three different labs. Well, why not just bring it all in house at the pharmacy and really have that be the the center of your pharmacogenetic information?
1: Right, I think it's a great idea, and and you know I I think you know like in the early years of TPMT testing with azathioprine and inflammatory bowel disease, I had my local gastroenterologist calling me a few times saying, okay. I ain't going to lie. I got this report and I have a vague idea of what it means, but, but you know, what what, what should we do here okay. sort of thing, you know, and, and I, I agree with you. I think pharmacists are probably the only people who get any serious training in pharmacogenomics and, and and can really play a role there. And of course, you know, again, CE Impact, I think, again, is kind of Johnny on the spot here because I know they have a genomics course. And so, again, those of you who are interested in learning more about this, you know, um, um, please feel free to go to their website and check it out because that very well may be something that can to catch up on what's going on and and I'm sure as as more of this stuff comes up we'll have more information. So you know yeah I, I don't want to be a negative Nelly and say, you know, well, you know, pharmacogenomics sucks. It doesn't work. I mean I you know I don't think either one of us feel that way. I mean I think we we would want it to work uh, because I I agree with you. I think I think there's so many areas of medicine where we kind of throw a dart at a board or try X, then try Y, then try Z. And if and, and the sooner we can get people to, to where they want to be, um, if we can use genomics to do it, especially at the Cheap cost that 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 these tests have now become, you know, it, it it does seem like kind of a no-brainer. So I guess you know I you know like I said I don't want, I don't want to be too much of a bad cop. I would love to see another study come out, you know, that looks at clopidogrel perhaps in stroke. You know, maybe that's an area where where that's the next the next place for this to go. Since you know you know we do use clopidogrel quite a bit in ischemic stroke, it'd be very interesting to note you know gee, maybe and in 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 and you know we could move toward using ticagrelor or, or some of these other medications which right now really haven't been studied all that much in ischemic stroke, you know, in, 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 in those patients who maybe aren't, you know, good metabolizers of it. And again, even today, I mean, I, I don't want to say that, that, that genomics has no role. If you're an oncologist, pharmacist, you do use genomics. If you are dispensing allopurinol or you're dispensing uh, carbamazepine or abacavir, I mean, there's a number of medications where, where the package inserts of the drug say that if, you're, if you have a patient of, of a ethnicity that might be at risk for super uh, 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 bad side effects because they have uh, a, a, a a different genomic profile. That it's reasonable to check that before starting therapy. And so even the FDA has has recognized that 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 this is a way to at at the very least avoid adverse effects. So any last takeaways before we head head out the head out the door?
0: No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this was a really interesting article. I encourage everybody to read it. Yep. Um, there's a lot of key insights that we didn't have time to cover, but it uh, really helps. Continue the conversation in pharmacogenomics.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. So, yeah. So, again, Jake, thanks for, as always, for, for, for being with us and again, suggesting, I think, a very interesting article. Uh, we'll be back uh, just to wrap things up. But first, a word from our uh, sponsor, CE Impact. Again, uh, uh, head on over to their website, check them out. If you're looking for CE or even just looking to, to improve your skills as a pharmacist, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a, uh, a better place to, to get started.
0: Use code podcast for a pharmacy podcast network discount.
1: So to kind of summarize up, you know, you know, again, a, a major paper came out in in JAMA that, that basically suggested that genomic, uh, uh, universal genomic testing of patients who are undergoing uh, stent uh, deployment uh, after an acute coronary syndrome. Uh, doesn't seem to have any advantage to to just usual therapy. Um, you know, again, if, if you're a, if you're a big proponent of genomics, you may see this as a bit of a blow. But keep in mind that this is one small area, and this is particularly, as I said, an area where uh, you know things are changing so rapidly that that it, it's going to be hard to put put that in context. There's lots of other places colchicoid girls use. There's lots of other places that other drugs that go through the uh, the cytochrome P450 system, the p protein system, all of that is genetically determined. And and so, you know, we need, as Jake pointed out, we need more studies like this. And I hope someone will, will have the money to fund studies like this to really find out what the benefit is over standard of care. So thanks again for joining us for another episode of, of, of Game Changers. We will catch you next week. And remember, uh, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. We'll see you next week.